It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hey, Chris. Uh, Hans Olsen sitting in for the vacationing Jake Scott. Chris, I know you never take vacations during basketball season, do you? Uh, unfortunately, the I have like a three-week stretch in August where I shut it down. And other than that, I, well, put it this way, I'm sitting at the Weston LAX in Los Angeles uh, working this week. So, you know, no, I don't take vacations. So I know you're not a huge all-star weekend kind of guy, but, uh, but what did you think of what you observed? Um, look, I, I thought that it was easily the most entertaining all-star game that I have been to. I think this new scoring system, uh, game format, whatever you want to call it, works. Uh, I think there are some tweaks you can make to it, like the the outcome can't be decided on free throws that, that are very minor. I think it's great. And I think that it's going to kind of spark uh, some more interest in this game uh, moving forward. So I think that's all good for the NBA. And look, I mean, we've seen every sports league, you know, tweak its all-star format for over a decade now. I mean, that the NBA finally is the first one to figure out something that works. Chris, I've been listening to you for a long time here on The Big Show, and I, I think that The Big Show may have even asked you how Rudy Gobert was going to fit into the All-Star game with his kind of defensive abilities and what he does, but it, it seemed like he found a better fit than we all thought he might. Uh, what did you think of Rudy Gobert's performance in that game? I mean, everybody kind of fits into the All-Star game. You find ways to you know, put up massive numbers. Uh, I thought Gobert was good, and I think having kind of a – a defensive-minded guy represented is always good because, I mean, we, you know, NBA teams preach defense all the time, and guys like Gobert are so valuable, they, they better be rewarded in these types of circumstances. But, I mean, I, I mean it's just like it, it's video game-like numbers with the game on a rookie out there. I mean, it just is is too easy to, to put up numbers. But he, he was good, and, and I'm happy for him that he was able to put up some, uh, some points. I noticed this. I don't know if it means anything. Probably not, Chris. But I, I did notice that Nick Nurse had all Eastern Conference players on Team Giannis going in that fourth quarter. And Team LeBron had all guys from the Western Conference. I thought that was at least an interesting note. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it was intentional or not. I'm, I'm unclear. I didn't really ask anybody after the game. Uh, there were some interesting uh you know, this is why the game was so interesting because you, you start to notice substitution patterns at the end, and you're looking around and wondering why Kemba Walker's in the game at the end and the defensive possession instead of Jimmy Butler. I mean, it's just it just made the game that much more compelling. So, you know, kudos to the NBA and, and whoever can you know sort of settled on that format that Elon uh, Elon scoring system. Uh, it, it worked, and it was it's really good for the NBA in that game moving forward because I think it you know people will you know the interest that that it created this year. I think it's only going to make the interest stronger as we move this thing forward. Chris, have you ever done any studies or, or have you ever watched closely first-time All-Star nominations, how they finish out the season, uh, and how they can their career path, how they continue on after a first All-Star nomination? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot to gain from this, and, and I've, I've had a chance to study it closer with Jason Tatum and you know the excitement from the Celtics coaching staff to have Tatum just kind of breathe the same air as 
as LeBron and, and some of these other greats and luminaries in the game. It's only positive. I, I don't want to I don't want to overrate it because I mean, look, Jason Tatum played a double overtime game on Thursday, probably got in on Friday, and is running around in all these activities over the weekend. But I think you know, I, I think there's probably far more value in say USA basketball than there is an All Star game. But yeah, kind of the, the sense of accomplishment of being there. I think it only motivates guys to to get back there and, and to want to, you know, ratchet up their games so that they're on the same level of, of the true greats, uh, you know, the starting level guys uh, in that game. So it, there's no downside to it. I mean, I think for, for some, you know, you, you look forward to the all-star break as a chance to heal some, some of your wounds, but you know, for, for others, for 21, 22 year olds, like a Jason Tatum is, uh, it, it only, uh, it only has upside. Chris Mannix joins us here for a daily assist. Chris, uh, these teams that well, you, you talked about the Celtics there with Jason Tatum a little bit, the Jazz, are they in similar sort of positions, staging for these final 28 or so games down the stretch? And if they are, what what are they thinking at this point? Do you think these teams that aren't quite with the best record in their conference but are you know uh, right in position to maybe threaten a little bit, do they have a shot? Oh, I think everybody in the West has a shot. I mean, I like what the Clippers did today in getting Reggie Jackson and adding him to that mix. Um, he's kind of that big, you know, point guard that they don't have. They've got you know, some smaller guys in Beverly and and uh, Lou Williams and Jackson's kind of a, a blend of them both with their talents. Or they've targeted him uh, for the last couple of weeks, so you know that gives them a little bit of a bump. Uh, we saw what what Houston did with Demari Carroll and Jeff Green, kind of doubling down on. On small ball, but I think everybody's in the mix. And in specific, specifically talking about the Jazz, I mean, I think they're you know it continues to be their thing is to keep getting Mike Conley comfortable. And like it sounds like it's just lip service sometimes, and I say this on the show a lot. But you know, look, I was I was in Boston when the Clippers came through last week, and one thing Doc Rivers said to me was just you know we got to you know get we got to get comfortable and get get our group together and on the on the floor at the same time. Chemistry is the most important thing. And, I think that's applicable for the Jazz as well. I mean, the more games Mike Conley spends playing alongside Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles, that whole group, uh, the better they're going to be. And I would put the Jazz right up there as as among the the true threats at this point uh, in the conference. I still think the Lakers and Clippers have to be considered co-favorites, but of that next tier, uh, I think Utah's right there at the top. See, this is interesting to me, Chris, because I, you know there are times I'm watching the Lakers and I think about them in terms of a playoff basketball team, and I think uh, they're head and shoulders above the rest with the best in the game, and then the addition of Anthony Davis and so many and so many great pieces around them that are are finding their own success. But you don't feel like the Lakers, you don't feel like the Western Conference is a one-team conference. No, because I don't think the Lakers are a flawless team. I mean, I think you make a stronger argument that. The Eastern Conference is a one-team conference with the way Milwaukee's playing right now. Uh, the Lakers, they're probably going to have the two best players on the floor against any team they go up against, but they're, they're, there's some question marks there. I mean, you're getting good regular season production out of Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. Will that carry over? Um, you know, look, they were, were banking on getting Darren Collison. I mean, Darren Collison was the guy they targeted during this whole trade, buyout, whatever market in February, and his decision to stay retired uh, hurts them. I mean, Collison probably would have been a starter with that group once he worked his way back into game shape. And now they're really going to have to bank on, you know, the combination of Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo and Vic Caruso to, to give them, you know, quality two-way minutes. And 
you know, maybe it happens, but there's a chance that it doesn't. So uh, I, I think that, you know, with the Lakers' flaws, uh, you know, they're, they're, I wouldn't say they're, they're vulnerable per se, but, you know, they certainly, you know, can be beaten in, in a seven game series. So what do you look for down the stretch, Chris? I mean, you've been watching so much basketball through your career. Do you look at things differently than, say, your average fan out there as far as preparation in this stretch run for for what comes next? Because playoff basketball is different than what we've seen thus far in the regular season. Yeah, it is. Um, But again, I I look at the health of teams at this point. I mean, there may be another minor player or two that's added via the buyout market, but these teams right now kind of are what they are. And I'm looking to see how guys, you know, fit in. I mean, we're really only in like week two of the Rockets and their small ball, you know, commitments. You know, how does that work over the final couple of weeks? I mean, Kawhi and Paul George playing together in with the Clippers, with Patrick Beverly healthy. Uh, how does that work uh, for that team? I mean, even even like a group like Oklahoma City, which has been one of the better stories of the season, how does that work uh, as they come down the stretch? I mean, I think health and chemistry is what you're kind of looking at and you know, seeing how teams are, are built for the postseason. It's, you're kind of past you know, sort of looking at, at, at possible additions and, and ways the roster can change. Now it's about what does the roster look like, and that's what I'm kind of looking at night in and night out. We finally get Zion Williamson back to the game after a, a, a long delay, and you've got a nice sample size, and I know it's probably way too early, but give me your thoughts on, on Zion's fit in the NBA. How good can he be, or will he be a letdown? Oh, no, he's, I think he's going to be great. I mean, I, I still have you know, some concern over uh, the health of his knees. I mean, I'm going to have to see that over three or four seasons uh, because of how much weight he carries in the upper body, but you know, skill-wise, he's, he's awesome. I mean, it just, you know, I, I watch him kind of, you know, shoulder-dipping into Stephen Adams during a game last week, and, you know, Stephen Adams is a, you know, what, eight-year, seven-year center, whatever he is, and uh, one of the strongest, most physical guys in the league, and Zion tossed him around a couple of times. Zion's only like 6'5 out there on the floor. I mean, as he, as his body continues to evolve and grow and his skills grow, I mean, he's going to be something. I mean, I, I did, you know, for the first half of the season, I'm watching John Morant do his thing in Memphis, and I'm kind of wondering to myself, I mean, did did Memphis get the right guy? I mean, and look, Memphis has a, a great player, but I still, watching Zion, you can see what everybody saw, you know, during his time in college. He is just a, a, a really special guy, and as his skills grow with his perimeter shot, I think he's only going to get more dangerous out there. So uh, I think he's, a, he's, he's going to be a perennial all-star for years to come. SI's Chris Mannix joins us here on The Big Show. Chris, you mentioned the Bucks. If you were to handicap the rest of the East, I mean, you got the Bucks there, but then how do you uh, configure Toronto, Boston, a team you're very familiar with, and Philly? Well, I would throw Miami into that mix, too, because the Heat um, are one of the few teams that have gone to Milwaukee and won, uh, and they did it without Jimmy Butler early in the season. Uh, and the additions they made specifically with uh, Iguodala, the fact that they have Bam Adebayo, who at least yeah, like prototypically is, looks like he's built to defend Giannis at a decent level, uh, I think they're going to be dangerous uh, against the Bucks in the playoffs. I mean, the Bucks, their only weakness to me is the uncertainty around Eric Bledsoe. I mean, Eric Bledsoe for the last two postseasons has flamed out at the very end. Last season against Toronto when the entire Bucks team flamed out, and then two seasons ago when – you know, Terry Rozier outplayed him in that Boston series. So he, he's the wild card to me, but um, I think Miami's right there. And the team I'll put at number two is Toronto, just because physically they can match up. And look, there's a reason the Raptors didn't shake up their roster with the trade deadline by trading away those two big expiring contracts in Serge Ibaka and Marcus Hall. So they need those guys. You know, and they're, they're looking at the postseason and say, hey, we're the second team in the East. We've got 
you know, an MVP candidate, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry's still there. We get all these young guys nobody's ever heard of that are playing at a high level. We can't win though against Milwaukee without size, and and uh, and that's why they kept those guys I think around uh, with that group. So I think the Raptors, incredibly, are still very much a threat to beat Milwaukee and win the whole conference. You know, I've been blown away watching the Denver Nuggets do what they do. You know, through continued injury, and you got you got so many different things going on with the Nuggets roster and who's in and who's out and. And yet, they're still the number two team in the West in in conference in uh, in playing record. I I, I want to get your thoughts on how sustainable are the Nuggets, and when they get fully fully healthy, how dominant can they be? Well, I mean, they're they're as deep as any team in the conference. You know, one through like nine. You know, they they just can roll bodies out there that are good. They've done a great job at at drafting these guys, finding them in the second round or free agency. And, you know, the emergence of Michael Porter Jr., I think, is just another weapon they're going to add to that group. But, I, you know, it's the same questions that they've had every single year. I mean, you can't win in the postseason unless you have kind of a go-to perimeter player. And as Jamal Murray, has he developed into that, that guy? And there are times watching Jamal Murray, I say, yes, he absolutely has. There are times that he has struggled kind of in that role. So, to me, that's what it comes down to. They're going to be able to get up and down and, and score on you, and Jokic will be great. But end-of-game situations, who gets the ball? And it's probably not going to be Jokic because oftentimes not a, a center in those types of spots. But, you know, if Murray can take that next step in his career and become that isolation guy that can make big shots, and look, he has shown a, an ability to do that you know, over the last year, uh, I think that's a team that could be a tough out as well. Chris, do you think that the incompatibility of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid has been overblown, or is this a very real thing that spells doom for the Sixers ultimately? Well, I mean, I can't speak to how they get along. I mean, they both publicly said they like playing with each other and they like each other and and all that, that those platitudes over All-Star Weekend. But, yeah, as the roster is currently constituted in Philadelphia, it's tough to, it's tough to see how it works. I mean, they just don't have enough shooting you know, around them. And when you have Joel Embiid as the perimeter shooter, you're really taking away a strength of that team by, by taking him out of the low post. I mean, I think every team in the league will – will live with Joel Embiid jacking up threes at, you know, five, six times a game. Uh, that, that, that's a win for them. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how it works long term. They're one of the more interesting teams this postseason because I think the end result of the playoffs will have a real impact on what they decide to do with that roster in the offseason because they're kind of landlocked by all these salaries. I mean, Al Horford's under contract for a long time. Uh, Tobias Harris, same thing. Simmons, Embiid on max contracts. Um, I, I would think that one of them would have to go, and I think Simmons might be more likely if this team fizzles out early in the first round. For the listeners out there, Chris Bosch released a statement earlier saying that he was very disappointed not to be inducted into the Hall of Fame with this class. Uh, does he have a gripe, in your opinion, Chris? Well, I mean, I think he's, he's a Hall of Famer, um, but you know, there's only so many guys you can take every single year, and this was a particularly robust class, you know, headlined by, by KG and by Kobe and, and some of the other guys. I mean, it's, it's got to be disappointing for Chris Bosh only because these are his peers. I mean, he's had so many battles with Garnett. Um, you know, certainly Kobe Bryant, someone who played opposite to him uh, for many years in the league. So I get the disappointment, uh, but you know, he'll, he'll get in at, at some point. I don't, yeah, I don't look at Chris Bosh as being like this no-brainer Hall of Famer. I mean, I think he is uh, based on the numbers and the titles, but the guys I see getting in right now, absolute no-brainers. Kevin Garnett, one of the greats of all time. Kobe Bryant, one of the greats of all time. I mean, that's, 
Yeah, those guys are, are obvious choice. I think Chris Bosch gets in in a year that, you know, maybe next year where there aren't as many and many clear-cut choices. Chris, you mentioned the Rockets and the small ball experiment and the small sample size. Do you think that uh, – what, what's your best guess about how that will work, especially when they go up against teams like, well, the Jazz with Rudy Gobert and the Lakers with their size? I mean, it's a good question because, I, I, I mean, I don't think anybody really knows the answer at this point. I thought what the Jazz did to them in that matchup last week was smart. I mean, you know, putting Gobert on Russ was the right thing to do because not only does it force Russ to take outside shots, which he doesn't want to do, but it basically allows Gobert to be a, kind of a zone center and just sort of hang out there in the paint and, and dare Russ to, to beat you from the outside. Now, he did that uh, against the Jazz in that game, shot really well, especially that mid-range shot, but... And can you count on that every single night? I mean, can you can you bank on Westbrook being consistent with that perimeter shot? And do you really want him – can you really succeed with one guy taking long twos? I mean, I, look, I think they're fascinating, and I think that small ball can work with, with, the, with the way they can switch and how physical they are. But to me, it comes down to Westbrook. If Westbrook is a high-percentage shooter and a high-percentage offensive player, they're going to be really good. If he's not, uh, there's another team that could go out in the first round. Chris, uh, what do you where are you, you say you're at LAX or near there? Where's your next assignment? What can our listeners look for as far as what you got cooking next? Well, it's all over the place. So I'm being in LA for about a week, and then uh, I'll be back two weeks from now. I'll be in Dallas to do some boxing stuff for DAZN. So yeah, I wish I could keep track of my own schedule these days. <laughs> I wish it was a little little lighter on the air travel, but you know it is what it is. There are worse things we could be doing. Well, you, we always appreciate you carving out some time for us. Thanks yeah. a lot, man. Thanks, Chris. You got it, guys. All right. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. Of course, your NBA Daily Assist is brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather's here. Is your home's heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only $59. Call Lee's Heating and Air today at 801-747-LEES or online at leesheatac.com. All right. Hans and I will break down the, uh, the jazz and where they go from here. Coming up next on The Big Show.